Hi, this is Pastor Rob Stone from Duns Creek Baptist Church, and you are listening to Duns Creek Conversations, a weekly podcast about faith, growth, discovery, and the journey that God is taking each and every one of us on. Today in the podcast, we are joined by my very good friend, Derek Scott. Derek is the director of CCW, which is Campus to City Wesley Foundation. CCW is the United Methodist Church's college ministry in Northeast Florida. Derek has been involved in ministry to young adults for almost 18 years, and I'm so excited for you to hear my conversation with my friend and someone who knows all too well the world that I spent almost a dozen years in and that's college-age ministry. We're actually going to break this up into two parts of a podcast. The first part is what you'll hear today, and next week you'll hear our conversation about the current controversy going on in the United Methodist Church and how ultimately a view of the open table is what pays the way for hope in the midst of controversy. I pray that this is a blessing to you, and we will see you next Monday after you enjoy this episode. God bless. It is so good to be here uh, with my good friend, Derek Scott. Derek, it is, um, it's always a pleasure to spend time with you. Um, we have um, really, uh, I have known you since back in the days of the Axis 218 band. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have really been friends for past six or seven years. Yeah. Um, spent a lot of time really kind of running into each other or or seeing each other intentionally, but it seems like we get together and it's a lot of kind of like once every two or three months, Mm -hmm. kind of an hour together, deep dive, what's going on. Yeah. Um, but I, I appreciate that there's, that that we have a relationship where we can jump right in. Yeah, absolutely. Neither one of us are afraid of, of jumping into the deep stuff. So for our listeners, Mm -hmm. um, for those who are listening from Duns Creek, they're, um, Derek is not going to be new to you. Derek came and preached about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Jesus walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Mm-hmm. And really, a, a just a, a great word, I felt like, that came out of that, which is this picture of a Jesus who goes with us where we're going. Mm-hmm. And, and really what we see in Jesus is they have to kind of, they have to invite him to come with them to where they're going. The, the idea being that no matter how far Jesus has to go with us to where we're going, he's still willing to go further. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and, and I just love, that was such a powerful picture that you brought for Dunn's Creek. Um, mm-hmm. that there are people who still reference that sermon, um, and what it shows them about Jesus. Uh, and so it's so good to have you on the podcast. And so the, the family from Dunn's Creek will, will be familiar with you, but for those who are not, um, give us a little bit of your background. Where are you from? What do you do? What is what is your current role, and, and how long have you been doing that? Yeah. Um, Rob, I just think the world of you, man. I appreciate I, that. I, that needs to be said out loud. Like, um, We only see each other about once every two or three months, um, you know, running into each other in random spaces. Um, the cool thing is that the, the connections between the two of mm-hmm. us um, and... Uh, those connections definitely have much to do with the church, specifically college and campus ministry. That's right. Um, my little my little group of people get we get to benefit mm-hmm. from that legacy, and um, K 
can't tell you how valuable that is to us. Um, so love you, love, love your you. whole family. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I am, I'm Derek, and I am a campus minister for the United Methodist Church in Northeast Florida. Uh, lead a campus ministry called Campus to City Wesley Foundation. We're serving students at the University of North Florida, Jacksonville University, and also Flagler College in St. Augustine. We're seven years old this month, August 2018, uh, seven years of ministry so far. Wow. Which is um, incredible to think about where we started and where we are now. Um, still so much more to do and mm-hmm. so so far to go, but... Um, it, 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 in some respects, it's quite miraculous, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm very grateful to be a part of it. I get to uh, lead with some incredible young adult leaders and uh, college student interns, and uh, it's it's been uh, one of God's great gifts to me mm-hmm. to be in campus ministry. This is, um, I am starting my 17th year of ministry to college-age adults. I've mm-hmm. been, and, and you met me uh Right before, I think our first meeting was right before I started working as a college ministry director mm-hmm. at Crossroads United Methodist Church. That was that started in 2002, mm-hmm. and um, so I was doing that for about nine years at Crossroads, and we were doing campus ministry as a part of the strategy of college ministry within the local church. And the campus ministry continued to grow, and so um, in 2011, I transitioned off of staff at Crossroads and uh, the denomination, the United Methodist Church here in Florida, brought me on and mm-hmm. uh, to start a new campus ministry, and that's what we've got now in uh, CCW. So is, is CCW is unique to Northeast Florida, in, mm-hmm. into so. Are there? What does college ministry look like for the rest of the United Methodist Church in Florida? So let's just look at yeah. within the state. Yeah. So most Wesley Foundations, that's what we call our campus ministries in the United mm-hmm. Methodist Church. We call them Wesley Foundations. Most of them are attached to one uh, university. Hmm. Uh, they usually have a building. And that building is multi-use usually, so there's space for worship, but then space for just hanging out and even some housing mm-hmm. for staff or interns or just general residents. And that's usually how most Wesley Foundations across the country actually mm-hmm. tend to look. Uh, CCW is very different. We are not attached to one university. We're attached to a region. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our our footprint is this whole Northeast Florida region, um, our district for the UMC, but really it's Northeast Florida. Um, and our vision is to have a presence on every campus in our region. So and there's 11 universities and colleges within that region, right? Campuses. campuses. So campuses. you've got uh, Edward Waters College is the other four-year uh, in in this area, uh, historically black college. And then we've got the Community College Networks of Florida State College of Jacksonville, St. John's River State College, mm-hmm. as well as a couple of satellites of Santa Fe College, which the satellites mm-hmm. are in our district. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a satellite of Daytona, Daytona State College as well. Wow. And so we don't know how far Jesus is going to let us go, mm-hmm. um, but we're here for it all. So mm-hmm. whenever we're able to go to another campus and begin to serve students there, mm-hmm. we're, we're excited about that. But right now we have three primary campuses. We're venturing into um, the digital space, so creating resources, more resources mm-hmm. online that are actually uh, 
is very similar to what we would provide on a campus mm-hmm. uh, in in person, um, and then just you know just trying to. Uh, and this is you know, what all the campus ministries in the UMC, but probably all campus ministries are doing. We're just trying to be as flexible as we can. So hmm. CCW does not have a building, and we don't have one campus that's like the main campus, and then the others are like kind of following. We're, we do not have a building so that we remain mobile. Mm-hmm. We do not have a main campus because we want to treat them all as equal as we can. Yeah. Um, and so we're always... In the car, mm-hmm. um, we use a lot of text messaging and a lot of <laughs> Facebook messaging, and we're a base camp people, so yeah. um, lots of base camp projects that we're working through. And, I mean, it's a lot that happens in a given week. Um, there's a lot of folks, you know, relative to our size that are working on different projects and, and different ministry events, but... Um, we just try to be one community on multiple campuses, mm-hmm. um, and we try to be a ministry that is moved by friendship. So we try not to have a lot of hierarchy. Um, yeah. We try to have a lot more relationally driven work. Mm-hmm. And that is that has its own level of difficulty, but it also has a yeah. great amount of reward to it. Yeah, yeah you know, of course... You know, you and I share a, share a background in in college ministry and campus ministry, and one of the things that I think is so um, rewarding, but can be difficult in terms of the the college ministry experience, mm-hmm. is it is so relational, mm-hmm. and that can be sometimes a hard thing to quantify mm-hmm. in terms of are there metrics, are there goals, are there things we're going after, and so. It, it becomes, you almost have to adopt a core value that we care about people and that what we celebrate are individual stories. Yeah. And so what you, your, your metrics for success don't become percentage growth or increase in giving and things like that. Instead, they become, let me tell you about this person. Let me tell you about this person. Yeah. This is what God is doing. Yeah. Um, which is... In in many ways, if you think about modern church culture, mm-hmm. uh, let's let's say modern mainline or modern evangelical church culture, that is in many ways a return to a much older way of doing ministry. But it really does fly in the face. If you are a metrics driven church, mm-hmm. you might find a hard time seeing the value or the or or what's so necessary and important about campus ministry. Oh dude, and I I get to live both lives in yeah. that respect. Like I on one level, yes, I get to sort of live outside of what I said I said this to someone yesterday, um churchy church. Mm-hmm. Um I get to live outside of sort of those things cuz we, you know, we don't have a building, so there isn't this one place where everybody comes and then we count who's in the seats. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, so much of my ministry is being available, being flexible, being yeah. able to turn on a dime, not necessarily being able to create something that lives forever. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our ministry, I mean, anyone who works in CCW uh, has to be okay with the fact that it may be this way this semester. It will probably not be that way next semester. Yeah. And that's the rule, not the mm-hmm. exception. So everything, job descriptions, sometimes times of gatherings are all up in mm-hmm. the air yeah. um, as we're 
trying to iterate towards a goal. And mm. so that's beautiful. Um, at the same time, I'm a part of something much larger. Yeah. So one thing that's sometimes different for Wesley Foundations um, in comparison to other campus ministries with other organizations is that my colleagues are local church pastors mm-hmm. um, in real time. I yeah. sit in meetings every week with local church pastors who are doing the Sunday morning thing. Mm-hmm. They are you know, counting how, many, how, how much they're getting in the offering plate every Sunday. Yeah. Um, and so I have to bring similar metrics to the table mm-hmm. just so we can talk about the same things. Yeah, you've got some, some common language. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes that's super easy. Like, I can talk about how many students we're serving in our gatherings, but then I have to immediately talk about the number of students that will not be coming to our gatherings but are still in our realm of spiritual responsibility. Mm-hmm. And trying to explain that it there isn't membership, so I don't get to count them that way, but they're similar. I mean, that, so that's yeah. where sometimes it, we, we do have a harder time talking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I do love living in both worlds yeah. because I do think that um, both have um, an opportunity to really serve the world well. Um, our bishop here in Florida, uh, Bishop King Carter, uh, great, great leader, um, and it's particularly for this time yeah. of our church, um, he talks about the mixed economy of church, mm. where there's the established church, the church that we've received, um, and then there are these new iterations, these new expressions even, of what church can and what church often already is, we just haven't called it that yet, mm. and it isn't a choice of the established church or the new expression of church, but how do both work together? Yeah. How do we um, see ourselves in ministry together in a particular part of the world, mm. part of the country, part of the state? Um, and how do we support each other in that? And, uh, you know, there'll always be competition because we're humans. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we we start playing sports, you know, and or playing video games or, you know, board games. Like, there'll always be a bit of competition somewhere in our relationships. So knowing that, like, how do we let that make us stronger and not create the vision? Mm. Um, how do we learn from each other? How do we challenge each other? Um, and that, for me, I, I love that. I love that I get to live in this intersection of the established church and fresh expression of church. That, that is, that's a whole lot more than you wanted. But, no, um, that's so good. I, so Campus Ministry sort of lives there. Yeah. And, um, we're, kind of a foot firmly planted in each world. Yeah, I yeah. am submitting metrics every month to... Um, the mother office in, in Lakeland, <laughs> um, and at the same time, interpreting those numbers and telling our story in such a way that um, it stays true to what we're doing on campus that is unique from the local church context, but can be communicated back out to people so that they can understand what God is doing. Um, mm. And I always say, never been a better day to be in campus ministry. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. I, I'm so impressed. It what God has done through you and through the team that you've built over the last seven years on the campuses of the University of North Florida and Jacksonville University and Flagler College in St. Augustine. And and again, I, I know it's in your heart to, hey, we, we want to move to the next campus, the next campus as God leads. 
but one of the things I've been so impressed by, um, I've you know through our friendship and through mutual friends and, and students that you and I have both mentored, um, I've I've had the great privilege of being involved and in, in being invited to attend some of the uh, CCW services, especially the kind of special like Easter services mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and one of the things I've been so impressed by is every time I have gone to a CCW event, no matter which campus it has been on, there have been not just leaders from other campuses, there have been students from other campuses who mm-hmm. have attended. Mm-hmm. So whether it's you know the CCW event, this is happening at Flagler College in St. Augustine, but there's there are students there from UNF and students there from JU, yeah. or hey, there's this event going on at JU and kids from Flagler College, students from UNF are going to be there. I mean, just that this idea that a community of faith that is bigger than the unique college campus they're a part of. Mm. I mean, if, if anything is a picture of the church, this, this beautiful picture where um, support, encouragement, cooperation, this relationship that exists between these students, because they're all plugged in and involved at what's going on at CCW, on these three different campuses. Yeah. But that means that they are in a very sacred relationship with one another mm-hmm. through that. What's the, walk me to the end of that. So let's, let's get to year four. A student gets to the end of their time in CCW. Mm-hmm. What, what are the most important things that you hope that you have put into their hearts in terms of the way they view themselves, the way they view God and the way they view the church? Yeah. Oh, Okay. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that kind of question before, Rob, so this will be interesting. The biggest thing I want a college student, a college-aged adult, Mm -hmm. to leave CCW knowing is who they are in Jesus. Now, I want to go a little deeper with that because that statement rings, rings very Christian. Yeah. Who you are in Jesus. And so there's usually some things that people assume I mean when I say that. Yes. Here's what I mean. I mean, because you are in a growing, evolving relationship with Jesus, what does that mean for your life? Hmm. The decisions you make, the kind of career you engage in, the kind of jobs you take, what you do with your money, um, and, and how you have been uniquely gifted mm. to engage the world. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in all the things we're normally interested in in Christian ministry. But I'm also interested in, um, have you been called to ordained ministry? Have you been called to ministry as a teacher? Have you been called to ministry as a law enforcement official? Have you mm-hmm. been called to politics? Have you been called to keep your options open so that you can step into things as they come up? Like, what if, What's the thing that God mm-hmm. has you on the planet to do? When I say, know who you are in Jesus, mm-hmm. I mean that stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is where I'll get a bit controversial. Maybe you were you were raised uh, in one particular tradition, but that's actually not the way Jesus has wired you. Mm-hmm. 
Do you know that? And knowing mm. it, are you responding to that? Yeah. Because I don't think that's an accident. I was yeah. raised in a very particular tradition. Uh, I, I'm grateful for that tradition. It nurtured me. Mm-hmm. They gave me things I didn't even want, but I needed. <laughs> <laughs> but I also know that I'm wired for a different kind of tradition yeah. in, in, the, in the realm of following Jesus. And so knowing that, I respond to that. Yeah. And, and that has everything to do with continued discipleship. It has everything to do with how we connect to the body of Christ, knowing who we're not and who we need to learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and again, I'm, I'm trying not to be so long-winded. Um, we got all the time. Uh, we got all uh, the time you've got. Well, it, it mean it for me as a campus minister and a pastor of young adults. I, I think that one of the, the worst things that happens is that people get to age thirty hmm. and they they don't know who they are. Yeah. They don't they don't know what their story is. Hmm. And I, I just want to help. I want to help my students get there. Some of that looks really fun, like yeah. Enneagram, Myers Briggs kind of stuff, you yeah. know, and just knowing again what gifts and talents you bring into the table. And some of that is understanding that, you know, just like what what Paul talks about in, in Corinthians, I believe. Some of us follow Cephas, some of us follow Apollos, mm-hmm. some of us follow Paul, but we're, we're all one in Christ. Yes, but I think it's very significant that Paul. Make sure it's understood. Yeah, I know. You're following that guy. Keep going. Yeah. Um, th- those things, I think, are really important. Mm-hmm. And I think they're really important for um, young adults to know about themselves. So that's a big thing for me. Yeah. Uh, it, it, personal identity in Christ uh, is really important uh, as far as I'm concerned. So that's one big thing. Yeah. Um, I hope that came out clearly. Yeah. I hope that, okay. Yeah, let me, and let me yeah, ask yeah. Just, so, so just some follow-up questions. So we're going to come back to what do you hope they know about okay. Jesus, or, and, and this is all really going to tie into that, and then what do you hope they know about the church. But mm-hmm. kind of what do you hope they know about themselves? You want them to know themselves. And let me just say, I, I was with you for a dozen years of doing college and campus ministry. My expectation mm-hmm. was this was something unique to 18 to 25-year-olds, that so they're figuring yeah. this out. In the last four years pastoring multi-generational church, what I will tell you is I meet 70-year-olds that are in the same spot. Yeah. That, that are going, I don't know who I am. And, and they still have the same work to unpack. And, and so I want to kind of get into that a little bit, which yeah. is yeah. this idea of going, want to understand how you're wired. And you said something which you said maybe a little bit controversial, but I think could not be... Um, a, a better picture of the diversity of the body mm-hmm. that you know you think about how Paul, whether that's in First Corinthians twelve or in Romans twelve, Paul uses this beautiful analogy that the church is a body mm-hmm. with different parts, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing, not a bad thing, because the different parts make us whole. It makes us live together in a system of interdependence, and what it means for us is that diversity. In, in every form, mm-hmm. diversity is the strength of the church, not its weakness. Exactly. And yeah. so someone who's wrestling with, this is how I have been uniquely gifted, uniquely wired. How does that student, one, find the voices that are going to help feed and mentor them and to grow in that? Mm-hmm. And... How do they faithfully and carefully walk through a season that you and I both went through in in 
in our experience, which is, um, you know, I think it would be fair to say you and I were both raised in far more, you know, mm-hmm. holiness oriented mm-hmm. uh, denominations, which I love how you put it. You said, you know, gave me things you didn't even know you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many things I look back on and I am grateful for what the spiritual formation that happened in the tradition that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the time I was in college, I also knew the way God had wired me that there was not going to be a home for me there mm-hmm. long term. Mm-hmm. But how does someone walk through that? How do, you, how do you help a young adult wrestle through that so that what's happening is not them just burning the bridge down on the other side and running into something new, mm-hmm. but to faithfully go, this is, not, this is not a critique of what that is. This is me discovering the fullness of who Christ has made me to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that it, it's not about tearing down the thing that you came out of, mm-hmm. but instead discovering as you grow what it, what God has for your future. Yeah. So how how do you walk with a young adult through that? Yeah. And, you know, each one's going to be different. Um, but I, I think one of the first things that happens is the deconstruction that there isn't one way. Mm-hmm. I will af- I will affirm. That Jesus is the way to God, mm-hmm. um, and that is exclusive. I will affirm that mm-hmm. um, belief as uh, someone who is in sort of the orthodox stream yeah. of Christianity. I will not affirm that there is one denomination, one theological stream that has figured out Jesus completely. Yeah. Um, and so usually one of the first steps is somehow a student gets there that for all they've been given, there's much they've not been given. Mm-hmm. Usually not like because someone's holding out, holding out on them. It's like we're only going to give you Methodist things and mm-hmm. we don't want you to have like, I mean, sometimes that's exactly what's happened. We're only going <laughs> to give you what our tradition offers. But yeah. often I think that, and I mean, I think that you experience this in an intergenerational um, congregation that's probably got more boomers and Xers in it. Um, we, we just didn't know what the, how else to give them yeah. outside of our tradition. Right, We didn't know what else that we could give them. We didn't know what else was available to them. But at some point, a student often comes up you know, realizing that there's, there's got to be more. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think sometimes that turns into maybe my desire for knowing more, experiencing more, talking about more, doing more. Maybe that means I'm not a Christian. And, and I actually think that the issue is more often hmm. you're just looking for a different tradition, different path, different stream, and you've been raised in a context that told you all Christians look like us. Yeah. That can't be true. Yeah. Like historically, it can't <laughs> be true that all Christians look like the folks who grew who are in our tradition. Yeah. Cause then that just cuts off at least fifteen hundred years at least of people who profess Jesus. So yeah. uh, all I'd say, like, it, I think it starts at this place where, like, there's got to be more. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing wrong with Jesus. I just can't see all of Jesus 
through the lens of this one tradition. Yeah. And so the next step is to expose students mm-hmm. intentionally to as many different facets of how we have and continue to follow Jesus as I can. Um, some of that is through the way that I talk, and I'll say things like, from the Reformed tradition, this is where we get this. Mm-hmm. We're not all on board with the Reformed tradition, but we at least need to acknowledge that this is what they've given us. Yeah. Um, and then there are times that I will intentionally drop us into a context um, so that we can experience something very specific, a very specific side of the family of Jesus. So I've taken students to Cuba. Mm-hmm. And the Cuban Methodist Church, though they are Cuban Methodists, they're more Pentecostal probably than we would understand Methodists yeah. to be in, in our country. Um, intentionally taking students there, knowing that most of my students probably have no idea what's going on in a Pentecostal environment. But again, I'm trying to expose them to as much as I can of the body of Christ. Um, and then I'll have us read a book. Mm-hmm. I'll have us read a book that I know we're not going to all be on board with. I know that even some parents are probably going to be like, bro, why are you having my child read this? Yeah. Um, my, but the thing I love to do the most is walking us through scripture mm-hmm. and helping students see what we all think about certain texts yeah. and how we don't all see those texts the same way. Mm-hmm. And some, you know, I was a history major in undergrad and, and that, you know, give me Christian biblical history all day. Yeah. And, and I try not to bore them with it, but I do think that these pieces are important. So it's all of that, this sort of like large experience of how many different streams can I expose them to? And then let's figure out if there's a stream that's working for you right now. Mm-hmm. And it may not always work for you, but let's see if there's a stream that's working for you right now. That's going to feed you in the way that you need to be fed. And, Let's also be aware that the other streams are there then to challenge, to reinforce, to completely critique, Mm -hmm. but all are there and all are available to us. Um, And again, Rob, I'm sorry, like this isn't coming out as clear as I would like it. No, it's beautiful. um, I, again, I think that that, the first step is when a student, and this is what's hard for many of our students. So some of our students won't even go down this road. Because to say that the tradition they've been given isn't the only one may be way too much deconstruction for them. And, and what's being deconstructed? I, I, I've, in, in, okay. in my experience, I, I find that the, the difficult part of that, you know, you're, you're painting this beautiful picture of a, a exposing us to all of these different, not views of Christ, it, it, again, rooted in an orthodox understanding that mm-hmm. Jesus is Lord, yes. died, rose again on the third day, Amen. seated at the right hand, I mean, uh, affirming the entirety of the Nicene Creed, mm-hmm. and yet also going, Baptists haven't figured that all out, and right. Methodists haven't figured all that out, and Presbyterians right. haven't figured all that out, like, right. and Catholics haven't figured like this mm-hmm. this view of going... We should not be surprised that the God of all creation has not been fully encapsulated in one specific denomination with one one specific worldview and one specific history. Mm-hmm. And so, this idea of exposure, and and I, I think especially what you and I have gone through is we've been able to walk with so many students through that mm-hmm. when that 
college experience is so much about exposure. It's so much about being exposed to new ideas and new ways of seeing the world to help me figure out who I am. Absolutely. Yeah. In, in many ways, it's, it's the analogy of the optometrist. You know, you go to the eye mm-hmm. doctor, and the eye doctor shows you multiple different lenses. Mm-hmm. Hey, which, which one do you see clearer through? Mm-hmm. Is it this one or this one, this one or this one, this one or this one? You, you, you have no idea how clearly you're seeing until you've seen through five or six different lenses. Exactly. And so the exposure to all of those lenses and, and talking about where those lenses come from it is helpful. But rooted in that is also this this reality that you and I have encountered so many college students or who we meet. We meet the 18 or 19-year-old youth group Christian mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. is excited, exuberant, maybe even a bit of a zealot yeah. in, terms yeah. of, in terms of what they believe, but they've been exposed to very little. Mm-hmm. But when you're asking that student to deconstruct... It's not just asking them to deconstruct the way they see God or the lens mm-hmm. through which they see God, but you're also asking them to deconstruct the relationships through which they see God. Exactly. It's not just someone who has arrived at a belief independent of relationship. This is a grandmother who loved them and prayed for mm-hmm. them every night and read the scripture to them every Saturday morning. This is a, 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 a you know a, a father who there was a strange relationship with, but that father had you know these incredible expectations, and so there's a a view of God rooted in I'm I'm not ever going to be good enough to please Dad. Yeah, it means it, it's all of the relationships. So it's not just asking them to deconstruct the lens through which they see God. It's asking them to deconstruct the relationships that have formed the way they see God. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be emotionally and relationally so much, so much is where does it say that can be more difficult than completely rethinking the way you see God. I, I think there are some individuals and not just college students. They're, they're, they're really not interested in, in, um, in in the deep conversation around this, yeah, and th- that's the student that I find has the hardest time with with this deconstruction moment. Mm-hmm. Is that they just they did not sign up for the tradition they were raised to not have it all. Yeah, they were they didn't sign up for it to be challenged. Um, they didn't sign up for it to to not actually give them everything they they needed. Mm-hmm. They really didn't think it was going to do it. Yeah. Uh, I think they saw people in their lives that looked like it was working for them. I mean, I think there's an argument that our traditions have not always worked for anybody, like, at all. Uh, we've just done a really mm-hmm. good job of painting this sort of exterior that, like, my Sunday morning life, uh, everything looks great. Mm-hmm. You, you don't get to see my Saturday night life. You don't know that Saturday night I'm a hot mess. But we got everybody in the car, and we got the church all smiles. Mm-hmm. And when that's all that you see, you don't realize that we're all kind of walking around asking some deep questions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do have some students that they, they're just not in for that. And so they are as welcome as my students who are experiencing all the other things. And that becomes one of the pieces as well. Like, how do you allow someone to explore, not just explore Jesus, so that's huge, mm. but explore what it means to follow Jesus as they're ready. Yeah. Do you know, I, I mean, this is the... Not everybody wants to go on a mission trip, mm-hmm. and and what good is it for me to guilt them 
to go on a mission trip if they then get on that mission trip and act like a jerk the entire time and you know and and you could go either way with that but I, i if there's anything that i'm very interested in and i'm very committed to i say this often to my students can't make you do anything but i want you to know what's all available to you yeah and uh I believe that in Jesus, there's so much available to us, mm-hmm. um, both theologically and intellectually, as we yeah. think about faith, but also practically and spiritually as we think about our own lives. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want my students to know that this really is all available to you. There really is this wide open, heavens open uh, context that's available to you in Jesus if you're willing to receive it. Yeah. Um, but if you're not willing to receive it, we're going to be here. Yeah. And so it, it, CCW kind of becomes this space where there are, if you will, those, those uh, Christians who grew up in youth group and they stay on fire all the way through. I'm mm-hmm. thinking of one particular student right now, and, and she is just incredible. Um, I'm so excited about just the... The track that she's on and the direction she's taking, the decisions that she's making, but she definitely is a, you know, someone who was raised in youth group, got set on fire in youth group, is still excited about all the things that happen in youth group, though she's in college now, yeah. um, because that's a space that really mm-hmm. made an impact on her yeah. life. And so we have students like her, um, but then we've got students who... Um, they came because their parent or their pastor said they should hang out with us, and they hang out with us, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. The, don't ask them to do too much because they're not going to do it. Um, they're not really interested in trying to make a lot of friends. They show up you know, every few weeks. And the thing about that student is that we don't know when they're going to really need us. Yeah. As a ministry, so yeah. we keep the, we got to keep the seat open for that student that's only coming every two to three weeks, mm. and then we've got some students that man they are deconstructing everything from Jesus to the atmosphere. I mean they are they aren't sure about anything, and they've got five thousand questions about all the things, and so they're not <laughs> on fire like my one student, and they're not kind of like whatever like I'll I'll be around every now and then like yeah, they're like they're all, they're at all the things, but they are turning over every table and asking every question and nothing is simple um all of those folks are in ccw and it creates this very um beautiful but sometimes very fragile context for campus ministry Mm. and a lot of that again we're going head first into that instead of saying that one student is the kind of ideal ccw um all are all three are ideal, and the ones I haven't mentioned, they're all ideal. And yeah. that's, again, when we start talking about the beauty and the diversity of Jesus, um, G- Jesus' body, mm-hmm. some of us get amped, and I'm one of the people, get amped about prayers that we've been praying the same way for 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. I just, just give me a creedal confession, and I'm... I'm on clouds, man. Like, it's everything. And then I've got other students at the moment I pull out a creed. They're like, why? (laughs) Yeah. And then there are others. The music can't be loud enough. (laughs) And the exuberance can't be strong enough. And we got to have great graphics. And it's just got to be all really flashy and in your face. And then you've got other students like, 
I'm I'm an introvert, bro. Like mm. this is I walked into the room and three minutes later I was done. Like this is just too much going on. Like we've got both students. Yeah. And they all fit in the family of Jesus. We're just trying to live into that, everybody mm-hmm. fitting in the family of Jesus. And so what I'm hearing from you is this ethos of CCW that is we want to be a home that welcomes every guest, no matter where they're from, no matter what they look like, no matter what they think or believe, we want to be a home that welcomes every guest. Mm. Which for me becomes a powerful view of what the church can be and how the church is united, not by always agreeing with each other. Right. And and even within... So not just a denomination within a local within a single local church, we're united mm-hmm. without always having to agree. And so it's interesting listening to you talk about college students and our our listeners who are in their fifties and sixties in at Duns Creek are going to be thrilled to hear this. But even amongst college students at the same school, within about five years age of each other, there's radical difference between them and between how they interact with God and between what they're looking for in a service and a worship gathering. So the idea that there's some worship gathering or some stylistic thing, like there's some preference thing that's going to please everyone at the same time, that that doesn't exist. But the way we create room, the, the way that we come together, despite our differences, despite our preferences, despite the different ways we see the world, despite where we're from and our backgrounds and our Mm -hmm. histories, Mm -hmm. is that we come together and say, the body and blood of Jesus are capable of uniting into one body what could not be more different. So talk to me a little bit about that picture for you. Why is the open table such a core picture Mm. of, of your theology and in the way you approach ministry and, and why is the open table such an important thing for you as you think about, let, let's narrow it down for right now to just the United Methodist Church and, and look at where the church is at. Okay. <clears throat> so it's two answers. It's why is open table theology so important, important to your to me, ministry? To yeah. And yeah. then what, why do you see that so important to the denomination you're a part of? Yeah. Awesome. So, ah, uh, open table theology. Um. I grew up in a church where we did communion every first Sunday evening and uh, grew up in a, a Baptist church, not Southern Baptist, uh, National Baptist mm-hmm. uh, denomination, so predominantly African-American. Mm-hmm. And on first Sunday evenings, um, it was always like one of the most important uh, g- Services. So if you didn't come to church all month, you come to church communion Sunday mm. night. I mean, very important. And the and I'm, I'm explaining this for a reason, but um, in the middle of the service, all of the deacons and all the pastors, and I think even the deaconesses, which were in that church, um, deaconesses were the wives of the deacons. Um, they'd all go in the back, and I never knew why they were all going in the back, because I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't a deacon, definitely not a deaconess. So um, I... I, I, you know, we just sat in the church, the choir and everybody else, and we're just singing. And then they would come out, they would sort of process in with all the communion elements. Mm. Very, I mean, very, I, I don't want to call it high church because it wasn't high church, but it was very, um, 
it definitely echoed mm-hmm. um, a there was, high church. There was a, there was a sacredness in, in the yes. ritual of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it almost had like a bit of a dirge to it as well hmm. that just brought the emotions out just a little bit more. Hmm. Um, and, and it's super powerful for me. Um, and this is how I was raised from four years old. Um, I, I came to Jesus when I was four. But, and one of the reasons I, I wanted to come to Jesus was that in our church, um, the only people who could receive uh, communion had to be baptized believers. Mm-hmm. And depending on the individual, um, baptized within the Baptist church, and then depending on the individual, sometimes actually baptized within our church. And so that just, there's some specific stories. It's a that, um, very closed table. It could, yeah. it, 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 it just depends. There yeah. were some moments that it was a little more open than others. Um, and I can't remember what those reasons were. I just remembered that if I wanted to be in on this, I one of the things I had to do was come to Jesus and I really wanted to be in hmm. on this receiving from the Lord's table. But usually before we um, took, received communion, we read from this book called 101 Reasons Why I'm a Baptist. And we would read about 15 or 20 lines of this book every first Sunday. And it just made this interesting impact on me of so do Baptists, are Baptists the only people who take communion seriously? Which, knowing what I know now about denominations, it's like, whoa, <laughs> they're in a different yeah. place now. Um, one, one could argue we actually have a low view of, of, right. of, of the sacrament. Right. And I happen to be in a congregation that just um, had a higher view of it than other Baptist churches. Um, but the biggest thing was just how important... First Sunday communion was for me. It was one of the biggest gifts I'd ever been given from my home church. That this was really important. Mm -hmm. There was something that was happening in this room that we needed to be here for. Like, be here for. Um, It was important to be present. It was important to dress well for it. It was important to have the right mind about it. And so... The thing that I don't think anybody knew what was going to happen to me personally, and this goes into CCW here, but if it's so important, if it's so sacred, why wouldn't we want everybody Mm. in on this thing? Mm. And so as I began to learn more about the theology, the theologies around the Lord's table, I read this book called... um, Worship, Community, and the Triune God of Grace. Man, I hope I got that name right. That book was one of the most formative books for me because it connected me to my childhood of being raised in this environment where um, the thesis of this book was communion is one of the few acts that we do as Christians that links us to the community of the Trinity. Yeah. And again... I just felt like if this is such a big deal, why didn't we want everybody in on it? And so for me, it's when I start thinking about CCW, I do. I think about this table that we create. And, and I'm not ordained, so I technically am not creating the table as far as uh, communion is concerned. But I do think about this table that gets created. And I think about how important 
the broken body and shed blood of Christ is and how we do believe that it is a sacrament in the United Methodist Church, particularly. Um, we, we are somewhere in the middle. Um, it, it is not actually the body and blood of Christ, but it is more than a symbol. And mm-hmm. so Methodism tends to be somewhere in the middle. We know that God is present in in the celebration of the table. We just can't tell you where God is present, but mm-hmm. we have to acknowledge God's presence whenever we remember mm-hmm. and do what Jesus told us to do in, in remembering him, the bread and the cup. And to me, if it's that important, mm. we'd want everybody there. Then, as a Methodist, we believe that because of provenient grace, if anybody actually wants to come to that table, that's a sign of God's grace already at work in their lives. Mm. I'm very aware of the scripture that about the eating to your own damnation. I'm very aware of it, um, and we all are. We Methodists read the Bible. Some of us probably, some people don't think we do, but we we really do. Um, but here's what we know: Why would someone approach? Why would somebody come to a table where we literally call it the broken body and shed blood of Christ, except Mm -hmm. God draw them? And so here's my view, and this is me taking sort of the table, the table of the Lord and expanding it to CCW. My belief is that my job spiritually and theologically is to invite as many people to this table as I can Mm -hmm. and to be hands and feet, heart and life. Um, in response to the, the pursuing grace of God that's drawing students. And so we just want to make sure that we're always keeping enough seats at the table so that whoever the Holy Spirit's inviting, whoever the Holy Spirit's pursuing, whoever the Holy Spirit is drawing to that table, we have room for them. Yeah. And we don't get to decide who the Holy Spirit's going to pursue. We don't get to draw the list. That's not our list. It's the Holy Spirit's list. So... One of the things that I say uh, definitely to myself, but I say to all of our students um, and, our, and our team, is that if somebody walks through our doors, they didn't walk in because of food, because they can get food someplace else. They didn't walk in because of friends necessarily, because they got, probably could get friends someplace else. But the thing that happened that they probably don't have language for is that the Holy Spirit has drawn them to us. Mm-hmm. So now we've got to show up. <laughs> We've got to actually be people who take the work of the Holy Spirit seriously and drawing people to CCW, which is, in effect, a drawing to the table of the Lord. And again, because I just because I do believe that the Holy Spirit is pursuing every single person on the planet. Yeah. And the table is such a big deal. It's been seared into my brain and and written on my heart that the table of the Lord is so important. I, I. Got to keep it open. Hmm. And I I fully respect, and I'll say this, I go to Catholic Mass as much as I can because that actually is part of the stream that feeds me. Um, I can hang out in Pentecostal environments and, and more exciting, I guess, if we were going to use that word, more, more contemporary and modern environments. And I can hang out there and you'd probably think I was having just the best time ever. And I am. But as far as the environment that feeds me the most, more liturgical environments like that you would find in a Catholic church really feed me. Um, I have no desire to mess with the Catholic church's theology around the Lord's table. Um, this is where they believe the spirit has led them as a part of the body, a part of the family of Jesus. I'm not here to mess with that. There are some people that are, I'm just not one of those people. And so when I go to Catholic mass, while everybody else is going towards the altar, I'm happy to just be in the room 
to be quiet and reflective and present before the Holy Spirit. Um, I know I can get communion someplace else, and I will. Um, but I am not interested in messing with other people's theologies. So if other congregations have closed table theology around communion, and that's where they really believe Jesus wants them and has them, that's how they read scripture. This is going to take us into the United Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. Um, if, that's, if that's where they are, I'm going to cheer you on, and I'm going to hope that you would always be honest about that. Yeah. But for me... For my reading of scripture, my understanding of the Lord's table, again, if it's so important, if it is the sacrament that we believe that it is, if Jesus is somehow present in this celebration of broken bread and lifted up cup, I I feel like I got to get as many people there. And so I'm, I'm open table all day, every day. Yeah. And um, at, with the, at the request and um, under the leadership of the ordained clergy of my denomination, I'm inviting everybody I can to that table. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to shut me up because <laughs> I, I, I do believe that that table is so big. I, I always think about the, the Lord, the, the actual Lord's Supper, yeah. the, the night. Um, the, uh, the night before Jesus was the night that Jesus was betrayed, and I just think about the twelve disciples. You talk about twelve people; it, it, it's so different. Mm-hmm. They all, you know, historically and and uh, sort of in, in our in our um, in the, in the story that we've been given in our tradition, they all found different types of churches. There, there are different churches in their names and in their traditions, and in and and they they go in the different parts of the world mm-hmm. and we we many of us are doing stuff in in protestant world in the tradition of paul and most of the folks in liturgical world are in many ways in the tradition of peter and like but all of those folks are sitting at the table in fact there's a dude sitting at the table that is it's going to be a part of jesus going to the cross like directly mm-hmm. he's going to betray him and he's sitting at the table we've got words that talk about him receiving from that table as well mm-hmm. i don't know man that looked like an open table to me yeah. that looked like and we don't have a, any documents about if women were in the room but you know there might have been some i don't know none of the none of the photographs we've got from that day <laughs> tell us that when we're in the room but I'm, i'd be okay with that there's some women in that room too um definitely in the upper room for pentecost i mean this is this this whole following jesus thing from the very beginning has been diverse yeah. and 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 it, oh man it's been so open so well, well let me just because because there's so much there uh, and, and i don't want to I want us to take a second to take that in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for for Meg and I, I can tell you the moment. So I, I grew up in Nazarene Church, mm-hmm. um, very. I mean, ho- holiness movement. So not only was it closed table, but even within the church, mm-hmm. it was you. You better not. You better not take this if you're struggling with sin. If there's things, I mean. You, you better not because again that 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 picture of of uh, of, of inherently ingesting damnation yeah was such yeah. a was such a big part of of the way that i i viewed in my theology yeah growing yeah. up and and i can tell you meg and i had been married about two years and we went to boston 
Mm-hmm. And we spent a week in Boston for her spring break. She's a school teacher. And so for her spring break, we went to Boston for the week. And of course, spring break in St. John's County is always the is Holy Week. It's the mm-hmm. week leading up to Easter. Mm-hmm. So we were in Boston for Holy Week. And we went to a Moundy Thursday service at the Old North Church in Boston. This okay. is one of, I mean, you know, a church, church older than our country. Mm-hmm. And we went to this service... And they did communion because, again, they're, they're walking through the Last Supper. And when they get to the part in the evening where they're doing communion, they it was an open invitation. It was an open communion. And, and the way the priest explained that mm-hmm. was by saying, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, when he instituted this, this sacrament, mm-hmm. he invited one who would betray him, one who would deny him, mm-hmm. one who would doubt him, Come and, on. They, and yeah. they all are invited in. And I will tell you, Meg and I, we love Boston. It's one of our favorite cities. Um, we had a great time on on that trip. It was a week full of doing lots of fun and exciting things. But I'll tell you, the look, the clam chowder was great. We love doing the duck tour. We love going to the art museum. <laughs> Nothing had a prof- as profound an impact on us that that trip as that service did. And I think for both of us, I think it, I don't know if it reshaped, but it, it, it gave us a, it gave us a wider lens. <laughs> it, 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 it took us out of 35 millimeter into 70 millimeter. I mean, it was just, just a wider lens to see that ordinance, that, yeah. that sacrament. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I, I completely understand, <laughs> uh, where you're coming from and more than that I love that I love that this is not just something you believe about a theology of the sacrament but that your theology of that sacrament informs everything else you do in ministry mm-hmm. 